Welcome to The Arms Race. This is the podcast where we attempt to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history, usually by watching every Sylvester Stallone movie one at a time. Today it's a bonus episode. I'm Kevin Keane. And I'm Mike Olson, and today we'll be discussing Son of Rambo, released by Paramount Vantage and Optimum Releasing on April 4th, 2008. Starring Bill Milner, Will Poulter, Jules Citruck, Ed Westwick, and Jessica Hines, written and directed by Garth Jennings. That's right. Mike, are you ready to talk about the best Rambo movie ever made? Well, I have little to no perspective, uh, having not seen all the Rambo movies. Uh, yeah, sure. Are you, are you going to say that this is the best Rambo movie of all time? I mean, I really like First Blood, but I like this movie more than First Blood. So I had no idea going into this. I got a little bit when you lent me the DVD by the cover that I got a little bit more of what I was getting into, but I did not read the back. I just took it straight out of the case and played it. Did you have any idea what to expect or what, what kind of a movie it was, even, even seeing the cover? The covers gave me a little bit that there were kids involved, but okay. outside of that, I had no idea what this movie was going to be about. Okay. And what's your impression? I really, really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. I love this movie. I'm, it's kind of disappointing that I didn't know it existed, and I'm not sure that very many people do. I had never heard of it when I saw it in the theaters. Uh, we talked about it in the last episode. That was my like day-long <laughs> sojourn to and, the movie theater. And I you didn't six, cheat that you paid for I paid, each movie. I, paid, I saw six movies. And I, I think I've recreated the six movies that I saw. I, I looked at what was out, and I said, okay, I think these are the six. <laughs> I'm like 95% sure. Um, it just so happened there were a lot of movies that I wanted to see, and it was just like I had a Sunday free, so I'm just going to watch all these movies. Like, the hell with that. I'll just go myself and see them all. And then I, when I was looking at the Showtimes, I was like, Son of Rambo. It was the only one I hadn't heard of and didn't know what it was. Yeah. And I went like, well, obviously I have to see that too. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it was kind of the highlight of the whole day. It was, I, I mean, once I saw it and I went on the internet, it was getting some buzz at the time. But yeah, I don't think it's, I mean, that buzz died off very quickly and I don't think it's very well known at all. Like, yeah, I agree. I w- it's too bad this movie is not better known yeah uh and i don't know if it was marketing or what i did not look that up and just for normal listeners we're not doing our uh our then bonus episodes we're just kind of doing free form here we're not going to do our normal segments so i don't have kind of the history and box office information didn't do that for this one yeah there's gonna be a loose conversation yeah i i wonder if part of the reason why this movie didn't do well is i think it kind of got screwed by the fourth rambo movie oh was it around the same time uh, it was the same year. It, Rambo, oh, the four, wow. Rambo, the fourth Rambo movie, came out, I think, in February 2008, and this came out in, in April 2008, I think. I didn't realize that. So it has been more than 10 years since yeah. the last Rambo movie, and they're making another one now. Oh, yeah. He was 61 or 62, and so now he's 71 or 72, whatever it is. <laughs> they, they just, he's starting to post some stuff on Instagram. Like he, he posted the other day of like, he did like a head cast. So they obviously made a fake Rambo head. And so they had, he had footage of him putting his head in a mold and all that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, the, the wheels are starting to turn on Rambo 5. Wow. It's becoming a real thing. It's not just talk. Uh, okay, release dates April 4th, 2008, UK. I think it was May here. In the States. That makes sense. When did uh, Indiana Jones and the Saucer Men from Mars come out? Because <laughs> uh, that's was that, that the working title of that? <laughs> that was one of the screenplays was called Indiana Jones and the Saucer Men from Mars. That's what it always will be to me. Because um, that was like the the crowning movie. Because I'm such a big Indiana Jones fan. Well, oh, and that so was, that was that in the was, lineup. That was the final movie. I said that'll be the the big. Uh, you know, I was so excited about it. And I said this this will be the capper of my giant movie day. Six movies. 
And the five movies I saw, all of them were great. And I went like, this is going to be the greatest day ever. And I'm going to go in and see a new Indiana Jones. And then the whole day was ruined by Indiana Jones. Did you, so after that, did you feel like you just wanted to jump in a refrigerator and just stay in there and die after seeing that and having the rest of your perfect day ruined? I mean, in the end, it was still an enjoyable... That's a fun day to me, is spending the whole day at the movie theater. I, I don't yeah. do that. I, I think the most movies I've seen in a day, other than that day, is two. Like, oh, yeah. I don't I, it's not like something more. I do a lot, but... But, yeah. Do you have the list, by the way, so of all the movies that you saw? Here's the list of movies I saw. So, Iron Man. Oh, wow. I didn't think about that. Yeah, that was 2008. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which I think I'm souring on, but at the time I really liked it. Uh, Once the Musical, which we talked about last episode, uh, which I rewatched after we talked about it, and it's still great. Son of Rambo. In Bruges. Have you seen In Bruges? No, I don't know. You'd like In Bruges. Okay. In fact, uh, if, if you're interested in borrowing it. Um, What's it about? It's uh, got Colin Farrell. It's about oh. uh, two hitmen who are hiding out in Bruges. And uh, what, what country is that in? Uh, I was just there. Uh, Belgium. Belgium. Thank you. I was going to say Denmark. I, wasn't I in, knew it was, wasn't Denmark. I was like, no. Denmark? I don't think that's right. It's it doesn't in, sound right. It's ironic. It's in Belgium. I didn't make it to Bruges, but we just went over the border into Belgium so I could grab a geocache. But I had Bruges. Actually, it was where we were going to go if we had more time. Okay. So, well, maybe you can... Yeah, I can live vicariously. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the part of your vacation that you yeah. missed out on. Right. It's good. It's uh, uh, Mark McDonald. McDonough? McDonald. I forget the guy's name. Who went on to direct uh, Three Billboards outside, oh, outside of, Ebbing, et cetera, Missouri. Et cetera, et cetera, yeah. Have you seen that? I have recently. It's on HBO. Did you like that? Eh. Okay, maybe you won't like In Bruges then. I, I like In Bruges. I thought I was going to like it a lot more than I did. It's not a bad movie, but with all of the, the Oscar hype, I thought there was going to be more to Three Billboards. Yeah, In Bruges isn't trying to be that classy. You know, it's gotcha. a movie about hitmen. Yeah. It's good. All right. But yeah, Son of Rambo, Iron Man, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Once, In Bruges, and then Indiana Jones 4. Wow. Yeah, the wheels came off there at the end for you. Yeah. No, but I think this was the highlight. Son of Rambo is probably the movie I liked most out of all of those. And watching it this time, it's still just as charming and just as fun as it's ever been. I just, this movie is so delightful. It is. It's got <laughs> it really a lot is. of heart. And this is definitely not something that normally would be in my wheelhouse, especially since you just said a movie about hitmen is right up my alley. Mm-hmm. This has got to be about the polar opposite of it, but it just, it really, it had a lot of heart. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but it, despite the fact that it's set in rural England, you know, about 10 years before we would have been the same age, this so reminds me of my childhood. It's just <laughs> really? so much of it. Did you have a Lee Carter? Well, it, well, he wasn't that bad, but yes, I had a, I had a friend who uh, we used to make little home videos, <laughs> spoofing movies on a VHS camcorder. Wow. John Faddis. I don't know if you knew John Faddis. No. I don't think he ever overlapped any schools you would have gone to. Gotcha. Because I went to K-8 through eight with him, and, and then, then he, he went to Catholic school. Gotcha. And uh, I went to, you know, Public not school. Catholic school. No. So, yeah, we used to make all kinds of home movies do exactly you, like this. Do you remember any of the, the movies that you'd spoof? Uh, not many. I remember we did a Rocky parody, probably on my insistence, <laughs> even back then. <laughs> that long ago, mm-hmm. you were, we were probably demanding. Tw- it was probably 91. We were probably 12. Wow. Um, so this is like Rocky Five period of Rocky. Like when, the, when the series was at its lowest, and I was still like, we're doing a Rocky parody. Wow. Um, I remember doing Quantum Leap. Like, you know, whatever <laughs> was big at the time. Oh, Rescue 911 we did a, a spoof of. Were you were you Sam in that, or were you, uh, oh, what was I Dean was, Stockwell? Oh, uh, Ziggy, right? No, Ziggy was the no, computer. Ziggy was the computer. Uh, I don't remember who Dean Stockwell was, what his name was. Uh, oh, I gonna, think I was Sam. This is going to bother me, but okay. 
So it was TV and movies. I I, I seem to remember the premise of our our uh, Quantum Leap spoof was I was leaped back into the body of Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> And, uh, you know, <laughs> where, was, where were you in the 10,000 or yeah, 20,000? Exactly. I mean, it was typical juvenile 12-year-old stuff. <laughs> that was, that was, I think, the joke. Can yes. I ask you this? Do you think any of those have survived? Do you think that they exist? I wouldn't be surprised. They're probably in an attic uh, at uh, John Faddis's parents' oh, house somewhere. You think he, he retained the, oh, the it was copyright? All at, it was all at his house. So, yeah, oh, it would okay. be, and it was his dad's uh, camcorder we, oh, we would use. That's a bummer. So, yeah, I, don't, I definitely don't have any copies of it. Well, also, I don't know if you remember, this is a little bit different, but uh, did you ever see our high school German final video that we did? No. It, it was different because it was for an assignment, but it was still yeah. kind of, we were, it was still, very silly, yeah. and, uh, you, know, you know, it was, because uh, you didn't take German, no. but, you know, like, we did like a Red Riding Hood spoof. <laughs> it had to be like a, 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 what a, you call, a fairy tale, yeah, yeah. A fable. So you know, even in high school, being more mature and not making like quantum leap parodies, it was for an assignment. But still, it was like this movie still kind of reminds me of that experience yeah. of just like goofing around with friends and making a little VHS movie. You probably at the time did you think they were really good? No, because I we were just goofing around. All right, so I I mean I I love the fact that I think Lee Carter really thinks that they're making a great movie until it's actually shown. I think he wants to make a great movie. I don't know if he thinks it's great. Okay. But sometimes it seems like they're just goofing around, and sometimes it seems like he's taking it very seriously, yeah. Lee Carter. All right. Yeah, and that whole thing, uh, what's the name of the show he's going to submit to? Like That whole thing was real, I learned just oh, from reading about it. Really? Uh, I think it was Screen? Screen Test. Screen Test, yeah. yeah. That was a real show. I think it really? It went until 1984. It was like from like mid-70s until 1984. It wow. ran on uh, British TV. Did you get... I don't know, like not a movie deal, but I mean, was it just prize money or? I don't know you, what the I don't know what the prize was, but the guy you see in the movie was a real near winner. The end was a real winner, and oh. he went on to work at Pixar and co-wrote Ratatouille or something. So yeah, wow. it was totally a real thing. Ratatouille is like one of their greatest of all time. Mm, I don't know if I agree with that, but it's good. I like it. I mean, in terms of like people's rankings and, and really? critics, the, yes, I'm not a huge fan of it either. Oh, but I, it is one of the most well regarded of the Disney Pixar movies. I didn't know it was that highly regarded. Yeah, I tend to forget that it exists. Oh, weirdly, well, I mean, I liked it, but yeah. it's not one of my favorites. Yeah, so I, I'll just I'll start out on my side. I didn't do as much of that kind of goofing around, but it still found, and it didn't remind me as much of my childhood, but. It definitely had a lot of heart and was certainly not what I expected that this movie was going to be. I, I really did enjoy it, and I'm glad you, uh, for this podcast you brought it to my attention. Well, let me ask you this, because even if you didn't make movies when you were a kid, I think the other thing that I really identify with in this movie is the moment, um, and you know, we, we can walk through the plot, but yeah. the, the moment where uh, Will Proudfoot sees First Blood for the first time from that boat. Yeah, the canoe that's like hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> I Which so, is weird. so weird. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, a shed full yeah. of junk. But I so identify with that. It really captures the feeling of being a kid and yeah. watching something that, that you feel like you're to. not supposed to be watching. Yeah. I mean, first of all, that scene is just a love letter to First Blood in a way that I really <laughs> love. It is. It. I think it opens what you see is one of your fa- it's just after your favorite moment, which is that Stallone is on screen in a ghillie suit. You can't see him at all. And I'm pretty sure that's the first scene that they show you that Will sees. Do you see that moment where he, he leaps out of the... Not where you leap, but he's got, he's got the knife oh, yeah, up yeah. to uh, Brian to Denny's, yeah, yeah. yeah, to Teasel's throat. Yeah, because, well, the movie opens... The movie opens, you're right. With the, Lee Carter pirating the movie. <laughs> which can, 
the first thing I thought, I mean, I had a huge smile on my face. All I could think of was Seinfeld, and yeah, it's quite a feed bag you're working on. I just wanted a big bag of candy that Lee Carter was working on, yeah. which he did not have. But that's immediately what I thought of, making bootleg videos. He doesn't have multiple cameramen. I need a guy over in the balcony. <laughs> I need a headset angles. so I can communicate with all of them on the fly. No. And then cut to outside. We'll mute, you mute. These two kids, they, they I don't know if they even know each other yet, like if they know each other from school or not. It's not clear. But uh. it, No, it's unclear. But it also, to me, kind of seemed like Will was relatively new to the school. Yeah, maybe. So my guess is is that he he probably didn't know Lee Carter. Didn't seem like it. But mm-hmm. I, also, there's nothing to indicate that he's new, but it's that's a reasonable you know yeah. way to explain it away is that, yeah, he must be relatively new. I mean, also, just the fact that he... So Will Proudfoot is his family is a member of Plymouth Brethren, and they're not allowed to watch television or movies or anything. I so I didn't look it up. I probably should have. I didn't know what religious sect that he was a part of. Well, they say in the movie he's Plymouth Brethren. It, oh, okay. it is real, but it's a very small kind of. Yeah, I don't know if it's that widespread in the UK. I don't get the sense that it's really like a big religion anywhere. Just like uh, as a denomination of Christianity, it seems like a pretty small. specific and yeah. 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 Small. Yeah. So there, uh, I don't know if we need to cover the entire plot, but yeah, it's two kids that are clearly from different, <laughs> different backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, with Will Proudfoot and, and Lee Carter. Well, I like the way they handle Lee Carter because it's clear that they kind of grew up on one side of the tracks and then moved to the other side of the tracks. You know, if you know what I mean? Like, I think the way they, you get a little bit of backstory that their mother married the owner of this nursing home. And so now they're very wealthy, but I I don't get the sense that they grew up wealthy. This is like a a recent change. Yeah. I, I don't think so either. Yeah. I don't know. Is Will's Will's family is outside of the movie theater that's showing First Blood? And I don't know if they're protesting it or they're just out in the street praying or whatever. But they're. they're I, I took from that that they. I don't know if it was a protest, but that they were there to uh, voice. I guess it is a protest, right? And they're trying to probably convince people that they shouldn't go in and see right, the movie. Th- this is a wicked movie or something. I mean, yeah. It's, uh, the movie plays it pretty soft with. It's not anti-religion, but it's also clear that it's on Will's side that. It's too restrictive and right, and it's yeah. really Will has discovered this love of of movies or one movie in particular, apparently. Well, yeah, like, I I think it's movies, but I think it's more of I mean because they they go out of their way to establish that Will has a pretty vivid imagination with yeah. all of the drawings and writings that he's done. It's that he's he's seen that there's an out you know what the outlet looks like of bringing those things to life that they're not just on paper anymore yeah that's a very good point he's in this kind of repressive religion but he's drawing and he's got all these flip books he's drawing all over the stall in the, in the school <laughs> yes. uh, i've got a list of things that we see in that stall I don't oh know. excellent it's it's pretty eclectic but it's all like okay here's my list so he's got a graveyard he's got a bear that radiates light out of his head its head <laughs> a mouse in a hat playing a harp a bored bartender. I don't know if you noticed that. That's the one thing I, I always notice is just like a bartender, just a bunch <laughs> of like beer bottles and just like a bartender leaning on his hand, just bored. Uh, medieval castle, a weird guy with a long beard holding a knife and exclaiming, Oh God, the oven. <laughs> I did not focus on these, but these are great. It's just like, yeah, weird random stuff. Like, I, I, who knows where he's getting, cause he's not, able to watch TV or movies, so yeah. it's just this is all coming from just whatever creative part well, of his brain. it is, but do you think that it's not just him? Do you think that others have started to add to it? That he probably might have started it, but like the bartender and the oh god, the oven, do you think that might have been somebody else? <laughs> well, it all seems like of a style. Like, it okay. all seems like his drawings. Okay. I mean, I'm, you're right that in reality that would happen. The other kids would just mess it up and just yeah, be like, well, people are drawing, I'm just going to draw my own thing <laughs> right. and just cover up his, his stuff with yeah. our own nonsense. 
anyway, yeah, there's a guy sitting on the end of a catapult saying, mmm, food. <laughs> and then there's a sign that reads, delicious canteen cats. And then cats is crossed off and replaced with dinner. <laughs> So I don't know if that's like a oh, cat those, restaurant. Those I don't know. are great. Yeah, it's it's just enough to get a sense of like like you said, he's a really creative kid. He's, yeah, he's got an extremely active imagination, without a doubt. Right. So, um, so these two kids meet in school, and Lee Carter kind of runs a con on him for a while. Yes, he really does take advantage of the poor kid who has not been exposed enough to the the outside world. I guess. Right. Uh, he runs. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, they, they meet in the hall because Lee Carter's been kicked out of class, and meanwhile, Will is sitting outside the class because he's not allowed to watch TV, yes. so he's just waiting for the class to finish their... Can you, <laughs> can you help me with something on that? What is going on? I have it here in the notes. Let's just cover it now. What is going on with the goldfish bowl in the water? I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. What I, is he, Will, trying to accomplish? Is, I'm not sure. I mean, I, that so seems for like... For the listeners who might not have seen it... There's uh, lines marked on the side of this really big uh, uh, circular fishbowl yeah. uh, for the months of the year. And Will apparently, every time he has to leave class, is what I'm taking it as, he's gone to the water fountain. He holds a bunch of water inside his cheeks and then spits it in. It's like, is he trying to get the fish out? I just I couldn't figure out what he was trying to do. I mean, that just seems like the kind of thing that a kid would do. Just like, I'm going to help this fish. I'm going to give him more water. Just like, Maybe. Well, I uh, hadn't thought about it. Maybe you're right. What's the thing... Oh, because uh, later in the movie, there's a part where he's holding a piggy bank. Lee Carter steals the piggy bank of an old man. <laughs> yes. And he's like, hold this. And Will's holding the piggy bank, and he just licks it. And Lee Carter's like, what are you doing? And he just Will just kind of shrugs, like, I don't know. I mean, I... I, this I guess you're right. That is kind of a kid moment. Yeah. This movie has those little moments of just, like, things that kids do. It's like, they don't know why they're doing it. They're kids. And they're just like, I wanted to see what this tasted like. I want to help this fish. It, you know, that's right. kid logic. I, gonna, I, I, I'm, I totally buy it. I'm going to take that. I, I, I believe that. Well, I thought you were going to ask about the documentaries that the class is watching because it's a very offhand gag. It's just like very oh, quiet in the I background. But the two times he gets asked to leave the class, the first time it's like, fire, it's mankind's greatest tool, but could it also be his greatest foe? And then you hear people going, ah, like you hear people like on fire. And then maybe it's that guy that was worried about the oven. Maybe the oven burned something maybe, down. Maybe he's. This is where his imagination is coming from. <laughs> Will is hearing yes. these documentaries. Oh God, the oven! But the, the second time, it's almost the same thing. Except it's the wheel. The wheel. It's the mankind's greatest invention, but it's also his greatest threat. And ah, <laughs> car crash sounds. <laughs> I missed that. It's very quiet. It's hard to hear. But yeah, the I don't. Inclined I'd, plane. One of man's greatest right. inventions. Yeah, I wanted to hear more. I wanted to hear how far. It's like a whole series of of documentaries yes. for like whatever the equivalent of like Some six. Of, yeah, the simple machines or whatever and how great they are. But anyway, yeah, they end up, Lee Carter ends up, well, he steals a bike and, <laughs> but he's pretending like he's been tortured because he's like trying he, to convince Will that the principal tortures kids who are bad. Yeah, because he ran, runs a con on him to take the blame because the fishbowl ultimately breaks because they're fighting, not fighting over it, but. Lee kind of sees his art book and says, oh, what's this? And he's yeah. like, give it back. And he's like a little embarrassed about it. And they, they struggle over the thing and they knock, knock the it over. Ball. Yeah. Right. And so then Will, uh, not Will, uh, Lee's going to take the blame for it. Because for him, it's like one of those things. What's the difference? If I drown in six feet of water or 60, it doesn't matter. I keep drowning. So what's what more punishment can they pile on? Well, but he doesn't even stick around for the punishment. He's like, I'll, I'll take the punishment. You get out of here. And then <laughs> Will fails. runs away and then he just fails. Yeah. Well, because the bell is ringing, there's, there's big news. What big news? The, the French are coming. Oh, right. Well, I, okay, I didn't put the two and two together. That's what that is. That's Well, that's what I got. The bell's ringing to get everybody outside. For because assembly, the, okay, you're, okay yeah. I never even realized that's what yeah. that bell was. It took me, when I was doing the second time to go through to get some notes on it, I, I'm like, 
Yeah, you're right. That, that is what it, it is. It wasn't the final school bell because they go back. I'm like, oh, it's because they have an assembly because the French are here. You know, I just kind of shrugged it off as like a British thing. I'm just like, this is some like, British school, you know, <laughs> procedure that I don't understand. It's a they bell. ring a bell every once in a while. Yeah, I'm not sure what this bell is, but you're right. It is because the French exchange students are here. Yeah, we can't skip over DDA, the French exchange student. <laughs> oh, it was outstanding. I, you know, in particular, I like the ending and how realistic it is. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's a nice twist. I mean, it, it, that whole subplot needed a button, and that's the perfect button to, to have on his storyline. To, to explain, like, a bunch of French tr- exchange students are arriving at the school, and the last one off is wearing, like, a... Oh, he wasn't the last one off. He was only, like, the third, but he's the only one that you... The last one that oh, okay. you see, because he's the one who matters. He may as well be the last one off. You're yeah. right. Because, as you said, he's the last the only one that matters. Yeah, he's the Fonz. Right. Well, he's almost more... Because this is set, presumably, in 82, 83. I don't know. Maybe, maybe First Blood came out a year later there. Let's say 83. Okay. I don't know. I mean, it, it doesn't, yeah, we'll it doesn't say, but let's go around there. And that's the year, I think, that uh, Michael Jackson Thriller came out. So that's what, that's what oh, struck me. Is he's yeah. wearing like a red leather jacket. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He's kind of got, yes. It's like a mix between Michael Jackson Thriller and like more of a, uh, I don't know, like a new wave kind of uh, uh, thing. Not he's got like a patch mode, but. It's in that vicinity. Yeah. But he's just, he's got a white streak in his hair, and everyone, all the, all the English kids are just like, oh, this guy is like so cool. Because <laughs> he says, bonjour, England. <laughs> right. He's just very kind of blasé about everything, and they just interpret that as cool French guy. I remember not really being into this subplot, seeing it in the theater. I mean, I, I thought it was fine. It just always seemed like a distraction. But yeah, this time watching it, I was really enjoying DDA. Oh, and really? His, his whole like crew of sycophants that follow him around. The shot where Will's sitting in class and he just looks out the window, and he's just like floating by, and then you realize he's on a skateboard. That's such a great visual gag. Yeah, so was it just his kind of, as you said, the sycophants? Because I think you do need him, because otherwise the kind of friendship friction doesn't ever materialize between Lee and Will. I, I'm not sure you have a movie without it. I totally agree, and I think it's just because the first time seeing this movie, you don't know where that's going. Ah, yes. And it's just like, why do we keep seeing this guy like lighting a cigarette with by shocking like a whole line of kids? And <laughs> that, that one really made me smile, but probably the most. And I shouldn't have laughed as hard as I did. But when they're riding in bikes in like a V formation and he takes a pelican <laughs> and shoots that bird, yeah. I shouldn't have laughed as hard as I did. But when that herd takes that one kid out and back, I, yeah. I burst out laughing. Oh, yeah. It's, it's funny. This is such a well-written and directed movie. I mean, Garth Jennings is someone who hasn't done a lot. He did Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy before this. Oh, I don't think that was very well received for a book that I think was really popular. I've never seen it. I've, it's never been a thing. Hitchhiker's Guide has never been a thing that's been on my radar for one reason or another. Right. I mean, I know people love it, and I'm sure if I read it, I'd love it. But yeah, I, I think people, fans of the book, had like mixed feelings about the movie. But I mean, it seemed like it was well made. And based on this, the guy's a good director, and like he wrote and directed this. So like a shot like that, I'm just like... It's such a well-timed joke, you know. It's such a visual joke, and it's so hard to do well. And just the timing of it, there's riding along, and then bang, he shoots the bird off screen, and then just <laughs> comes in and, and hits the guy, hits the kid. Uh, and the kid, the way he goes down is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, no, it's funny. The DDA stuff is funny, and I think now, you know, rewatching it and knowing that he gets involved in the Will and Lee stuff and knowing that he's an important part of that story. Yeah. Yeah. I'm willing to put up with it more because the movie spends a lot of time with those kids before you even understand how they're going to collide. You're right. It does. And so Will gets recruited. I'd say unwillingly, maybe unwillingly at first, but after like the first go around of filming with Lee, he's really excited about 
being a part of making this movie for oh, yeah. screen test. He's having a blast. I mean, at first he's just the stuntman. Lee Carter just oh. like, you're going to be the stuntman in my film. So here's what I'll, I'll say to that, and I'll say this now. As I was watching, one of the, my first notes was, you know, even if you're not a religious person, I'm telling you right now, Will must have had whatever, whatever God there is on his side because the, the stunts that he did, oh, yeah. he should not have come out of any of those unscathed. Well, I think that's the other thing that feels like you know, of all the movies that are about childhood, this feels more most like real childhood. Because you think about, I mean, I'm sure everybody's like this, where you think back and just like, God, the things that I did, I'm lucky I didn't get seriously hurt. <laughs> you know, and that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, he, he fires a crossbow at his head to, to break that that's piggy bank. That's the first one. Now, he was pretty close on that, because I, I didn't realize it when I first watched it how close he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that one, but I'm talking about the other ones where I, he's on like a teeter-totter, like a catapult, and somehow he flips over something and lands like on mattresses. Right. He falls out of a tree. I mean, he somehow comes out of like four stunts unscathed. Yeah, there's like a sprinkler that hits him with like a high-powered oh, sprinkler. I forgot about that yeah. one. I don't know if we're ever supposed to understand what Lee Carter's version of this movie is because it's just like random. It's just like jackass, you know what I mean? Pretty much <laughs> it's just a bunch just, of stunts. I think I don't think he had a story. I think it was he's like, "Ooh, I got a sucker here." I, you're right. It's like jackass. What? How far can I push this kid and get him to do really dumb things? Right. But then they actually genuinely become friends, friends. and yeah. uh, Lee sees Will's drawings and like, "Oh, tell me the story." Because when Will, I guess we're skipping over the part where Will sees first blood for the first time. Hiding from uh, Lee's brother Lawrence. Yes, and Lee is—he's making copies of First Blood that he bootlegged from the from the theater. Yes, so that he and his brother can sell them. And so while it's being copied over to one film, Will's watching the whole thing. That sequence—what a love letter! It makes me like First Blood more because just watching that sequence, Will's watching—he's hiding in a boat, hanging from the the, the rafters, yeah, and. The movie kind of truncates, obviously it has to truncate First Blood and get the best parts of it. And so you're hearing Troutman, his speech about Rambo, and he's the ultimate killer. And body bags. <laughs> exactly. Yes. It ends with, yeah, a good supply of body bags. But we're seeing a montage of all like the action beats from First Blood, and the music over it is like angelic, like, oh. You're right. He's got <laughs> he's it where Rambo's driving the truck and like jumps it. Yeah, he jumps over the tracks and, yeah. uh, you know, him shooting at the guys in the mine and as like a 45 second encapsulation of what's good about first blood it's you couldn't make a better trailer for first blood than yeah, pro- th- that, that sequence of this movie you're probably right it does have the highlights um and i just love will running home and like imagining things like that's where he comes up with his story he's, uh, he's running scarecrow home, yep he comes across a scarecrow and he gets chased by a dog and he's imagining all these things and he's imagining rambo captured in a prison like I, that all those fantasy sequences are so great they are uh and i i i like the fact too because lee questions this but i like the fact that he wants to be the son of rambo <laughs> i know he doesn't want to be rambo he wants to be the son of rambo he falls on the tree he's like are you okay and then ah, he just he's so hyped up and he just shouts into the camera i'm the son of rambo and yeah you're right the, the cut to lee being like, you want to be the son of rambo <laughs> it's really funny it is it's in charming it's like yeah I, I, well it also makes total sense because you know he's a kid well he's a kid but also you know this is a very funny movie but also i think it has a lot of it, I mean, it doesn't get serious with it, but the fact that you, know, you learn that Will's father died, he had an aneurysm, yeah. and you know he's keep he keeps his watch, and there's a whole like running thing about the watch and who has the watch, and you know the fact that he he looks at Rambo and he doesn't see like I want to be Rambo, he sees it's like his dad basically, and yeah. he, he he wants to save his father Rambo because he misses his real dad, and like all that stuff is it's very lightly handled, it doesn't 
hammer it home too much, but it's all there. It's all under the surface. And it does that. And in another instance, uh, I can't remember who actually plays Rambo in the movie. I can't remember what that, uh, the, the old man, what his name is. In oh, the movie. I, thought, I thought you were going to talk about the lookalike in the fantasy sequences because I actually found a pretty decent lookalike. I actually really didn't really notice that. It's a very brief shot, but it's when he's running home and he has the fantasy with the scarecrow and all that. Oh. And he imagines Rambo captured. Yes. And then he, he's in like a muscle suit. It's adorable. Yeah. This kid uh, in the, the muscle suit. He was suit. in the George Michael muscle suit yeah. from uh, Arrested <laughs> Development. Exactly it was right. so awesome. I didn't even think about that. That's exactly what it is. No, but for one of those moments that I think is like handled well, but was played up the dramatic end a little bit, as you said, with Will talking about his father. But when the old man starts to talk about, you know, it almost is like a prison. He's, it's like a prison. Yeah. It's not too heavy, but it borders on that if they were trying to make a really, if Will and Lee were trying to make a really good movie, I would have left that speech in. I'm because, surprised they didn't. I mean, yeah, I guess they're that, trying to keep it short. But. Yeah, but that like speech, I'm like, they're getting gold there, even though he's not in character. He's just complaining about the nursing home. We should explain because it's maybe the funniest moment in the movie for me is when they're, they decide they're going to make Will's story that he's he's the son of Rambo and he's going to rescue his father Rambo from, from the scarecrow, the evil scarecrow. Yes, and so they're filming this movie and he. In, in this nursing home, and so the shot is Will as Son of Rambo bursts in, Rambo, I'm here to save you, and then pan over to this old man in a wig, a in the nurse's wig. It looks like a mop. I mean, it's not even a wig. Well, it's that nurse's wig. I mean, that's that's where they got it. Yeah. Because she runs in, like, that's my wig, and what are you, don't mess with this old man. Man, that pan to the old guy has Rambo, quote-unquote. And then, but then you're right, it goes on to, to, he has this speech about, like, oh, the people are screaming, they're like, oh, this is gold, this is good stuff, keep rolling, keep rolling. No, it's, uh, honestly, I was surprised that that wasn't in there but at the same time it felt a little bit like will that it was a, a more serious moment but it wasn't super heavy because this is supposed to be a movie about childhood friendship yeah and be lighter i so. mean yeah this movie is a very light touch and i think that's why it's so charming and, and so delightful i mean yeah if, i mean it, it does seem like it's kind of underneath the surface making some kind of commentary about this nursing home or oh, i think so absolutely dingy place and then will's like or uh, lee's like oh here's the part where we live <laughs> yeah. in the back and this is a mansion <laughs> it's marble with like statues he opens the doors and it's like a willy wonka moment it's like, <laughs> it like willy wonka you're right <laughs> A world of misappropriation. Because <laughs> I, I assume that's what's happening, is that his stepfather is just, you know, spending money that should be yeah. going. He's, he's embezzling or misappropriating Well, he might something. not be embezzling, but whatever capital expenditures are, he's spending nothing on the front right. of the house where people are being taken care of, but he's taking care of the back of the house. So, yeah, well, technically this is part of the nursing home. That's it's, right. It's in the building, so we're spending money back here. Yeah. Our marble statues. I wish I would have thought of Willy Wonka. That is perfect. That's exactly what I thought of. I think it's so well handled, like all these like heavier things are under the surface, but it's like never really dredging them up. It's just kind of like, let's just stay on top and be light and fun, yeah. even if, you know, it takes place in the real world where some sometimes bad things happen, like, you know, Will's father or whatever, like whatever's happening in that nursing home seems pretty bad, but, you know, the movie doesn't want to stop and dwell on it. Yeah, so, and then they, uh, the movie is advancing, and the movie... <laughs> The movie within the movie starts to get bigger and bigger because, as you alluded to, they finally begin to mesh DDA, and he, he's bored and is looking for something to do, and the flying dog is what connects it all. Yeah, well, the flying dog is what gets Lee suspended because uh, Lee and Will have a fight, right, because Will misses a day of filming because he has to go to, go to, to, a, yeah, go to a meeting because uh, the, oh, right. it's the, the brethren, is, are, you know, he's lying and he's, <laughs> he's disappearing and not doing the things he's supposed to because he's out there filming with 
would leave. He's wrecking his shoes, so they'll have an excuse yes. to, to go to the menders. Well, and then the, the, when he almost drowns and they become blood brothers, is that's when he's so late that he misses everything. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's when a special, he has to, he gets pulled out of school to go to a special meeting and can't film. Yeah, so they have a, Lee and Will have a brief falling out, but then he's like, I got the dog to do the yeah, flying dog sequence. Went, and I assume that dog, that was supposed to be like some sort of like fundraising thing, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> he Lee. Just takes off. Lee's a real son of a bitch. Like, he actually that, is. He steals bikes. And I love, too, how he's so, oh, I had to get the one with a wagon or whatever it is. Right. He's so, because he uh, ends up working to his benefit. <laughs> So he somehow—I don't know if he lifts a key to a lock. I think that's what it is. You, it, oh yeah, you can't figure out from where. But no, he, he steals. A, he picks a kid's pocket when they're welcoming the, the French students. That's what it he's is. He's back there like grabbing something out of a kid's pocket, and it's the key to his bike. So yeah, he's testing every lock for which bike, and he winds up. Oh, I get the one with a wagon on it. But you're right; it helps him steal the flying dog. Speaking of keys, one detail that really jumped out at me this time is—I'm sure it's just like this particularly like this is a very parochial kind of private. English school, presumably it's Anglican. Oh, for the lockers? Yeah, the keys to the lockers. Like, I, what a crazy thing. As I, an American, it's like, wow, they have keys to lockers. Like like old-timey, like Harry Potter. I honestly thought it was a different world. And maybe it was, just because it's England. I'm like, keys? Are you no, serious? Those little things are always the things that are just like, whoa, look at how different private school. Because I went to a private K-8. through We didn't even have lockers. It was just like, keep your stuff on you at all times. <laughs> carry a, carry, <laughs> carry everything in your backpack, yeah, because otherwise you'll just, it'll get stolen. You know, like we didn't have lockers at all. So wow. just the idea of like, yeah, like you got to turn them in at the end of the year, I guess. It's Apparently just like, so. How, did, how does and the school it would keep seem, track of all I was that? Say, it would seem like Lee Carter, he would make copies of every oh, single one he had. For sure. <laughs> I'm surprised that wasn't a part of the story. <laughs> that actually would have been great. I mean, he probably was. We just never saw it. It's just The movie didn't have time for, for that subplot. So yeah, Didier gets involved with the movie. So yeah, so the flying dog uh, gets Lee suspended, which opens up an opportunity for somebody to swoop in on this friendship. But more importantly, the flying dog is noticed <laughs> by the other students, including the sycophants who uh, are trying to find something for Didier because he's bored. And what he's bored better of kissing all the girls? In, yeah. in, in the class. Uh, but and what better than being in a movie? Right, being a movie star. <laughs> His audition scene in the <laughs> chapel. Oh, it's so funny. You live by the gun. You die by the gun. <laughs> and then he shoots Will with his, like, pellet gun. It's empty. But then he, like, he doesn't get a reaction out of Will. So oh, he it's decides- not a pellet gun, though. It's like a gun that mocks a sound, because I had guns like that. Oh, is it? It's not yeah. the gun that he shot the bird with? I no, thought this was all the same gun. It's different, because it has, like, a, it sounds like a, uh. and it, so it's a, it's a, it's a toy gun that, that made, re- it, but it did sound pretty realistic, but sorry, go wow. ahead. Didier has just got a whole collection of, uh. Pellet guns, presumably, or some kind of airsoft gun that he shoots that bird with. Yeah, which does seem weird because in France, that kind of stuff, it, it's not like the United States where, you know, firearms are really ingrained in our culture. It, it actually seems a little bit, and I, I don't know, maybe the early 80s were different. In France today, I'm not sure those kind of, those kind of things would exist. Maybe in England, but even in England. Yeah, maybe in England. In 83 England, maybe that was the first thing he did when he, he that was got the first stop. Get all the gun stuff I can get. Yeah, you know, he's, he's still a kid. But he's, uh, he's very, uh, very excited to be a part of this movie. Oh, yeah. He's like, I, he says, like Patrick Swayze, you know? <laughs> Just what a weird uh, person to choose. I, I thought so, too, because I'm like, what? I didn't look to see when Roadhouse came out, but that would be the only movie that Oh right. no, that's that's after eighty three. Like this is this can't be later in eighty three. So this, this is like outsiders t- era of Patrick Swayze. Like why did he pick Patrick Swayze? I don't know. He's he likes Patrick Swayze. Uh, yeah. So then, like the whole thing, I, I love the progression of 
it becomes like a full scale production because all of DDA is uh, you know people like, uh, so uh, the whole school is just like following DDA around like puppies and they just idolize this French kid. Yeah, and so and, everybody wants to become like a part of this movie, right? And so, and then Will becomes like. DDA's right hand man, and he he gets involved in like the cool stuff. There's like the the constant like the the, the he, twelve year old version of debauchery going on in that back room. Oh yeah, there's pop rocks and cola. It's space dust technically. Oh it's, sorry, it's the same thing. Space dust. I looked it up. I I never heard of space dust, but the company made pop rocks. Just put out space dust. It's the same stuff, but it's just crushed finer. Gotcha. It's just like powder instead of the rocks. So I I do want to talk about this though because this is actually one of the things that I liked. Uh, not necessarily the party, uh, or you know, in the with with all these good the debaucheries you said that there's actually a bouncer, which I which I did laugh at, right? But it's like this version of and that's obviously the joke, right? It's like yeah. the Studio Fifty Four of twelve year old English yes. kids. But what I wanted to say that I thought of all of the things in this movie that was handled so realistically is the wedge being driven between Will and Lee, yeah, and Will becoming a part of the cool kids. To me, it was very realistic and organic that Will is, you know, uh, so many of the times in the in movies and TV shows, it becomes something overt that's, oh, yeah, I'm in with the cool kids now, and I want to be. Will actually, I don't think, has any interest necessarily in DDA or any of the sycophants or even the, the pot. He's just so excited that people want to make the movie. And for me, that seems very, very realistic that I don't think he's betraying or feels like he's abandoning Lee. He just kind of gets swept up that all these people want to make his movie. Well, I think he's just a friendly kid. Just like, oh, more friends. I think that's really all he's looking at. Right. And I I guess what I'm saying is I give the movie credit is that so often the the created drama when you have to have this wedge between between friends, it feels forced. To me, this does not feel forced or unrealistic at all. Oh, it's great. And I I agree. I mean, it's, it's really well handled. It's worth pointing out what great performances both of these kids are giving. Yeah, you're I right. I mean, in Didier, too, all three of them. Um, and Didier's a little bit more of a cartoony kind of... Yes. He's, he's a caricature a little bit. But uh, I think both the, act, the, the kids who play both Will and Lee giving yeah, great performances. They are. And you know what? In terms of talking about character, that's, that's a good thing to talk about because both Will's character and Lee's could easily have become cartoon characters and it'd be Dennis the Menace and... Super religious kid, right? Yeah, totally. Um, and neither one of them... I don't think it's written that way. And the performances certainly are. I give credit to that, too, because I, I feel bad. I have it in my, here in my notes. I'm like, I should not like Lee at all. Because as you said, mm-hmm. he, he's a nasty kid in many ways. I really like Lee Carter. Oh, he's, well, I think it comes down to, I think, I think everything kind of works. It's the writing is really well handled. It's, it's handled with a very light touch, both of these characters. Yeah, I think Lee, the way he's written... You know, he's written as a three-dimensional kid. I mean, he's, he's, he's got... You understand why he's this way. You understand kind of what he wants. He wants to make this movie and submit it to, to the TV show, this contest. Um, you know, you get a little bit of him and his brother and their relationship. And, you know, his brother is not uh, the most uh, caring person in the world, it's worth saying. No, but at the same time, he's not that old, right? I think he's still in high school is what I the vibe I got from, yeah, from sure. the movie. and. Well, and the, movie, the movie is sympathetic to the, the older brother eventually, too. Yeah, that he's basically having to raise his little brother, and certainly he has no interest in that at 16 or 17, whatever he is. Yeah, so I think the writing is it's really, really well written. I, all the performances, it, it comes off as so authentic. Like I said, I mean, it's, this, this movie feels so much more like childhood as I experienced it than in most movies that are about, actually about childhood, because, well, this movie is actually about childhood. It's about... You know, Absolutely, these two kids becoming friends. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think I've ever 
had a movie care make me care about two kids becoming friends more than this movie. I mean, it really, really is effective. Yeah. Off the top of my head, I hadn't thought about it coming in to, to record. You know, the movies that I think about just with kids as friends of things like Stand By Me and stuff like that, that's not them becoming friends. Now, this is, this is if not the best, just thinking here off the top of my head, it has to be a, a, up there of the best oh. of putting two kids together and becoming friends. Even if it's not about them becoming friends, I like, guess yeah, Stand By Me, we should care about their friendship. And I think that Stand By Me is good. It's not, I don't think it's as great as some people think, but yeah. it's a good movie. But no, it's, I don't think it even comes close to what this movie really gets you invested in their friendship. And it's just, and both of them feel so fully realized as characters and obviously coming from totally different worlds, but you completely understand how they become friends. Everything is just really well thought out and give these kids credit that they're great. I think both of these kids are giving great performances and they're really good at giving bad performances when they're acting. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) That is true. There is some gold. Oh, it's great. All, all three of them, even DDA, all, all all three of them, there is some gold in the bad acting. <laughs> yeah, DDA is great too because then when things start to spin out of control and DDA's crew gets involved and like the ninja attack, that's fun. Where it's like the wolf. Yeah, I'm the wolf. I know the earth. I know the sky. I know the trees. <laughs> <laughs> and he he's just taking over this movie. Like, yeah, obviously <laughs> he just wants to be the star of the movie, you know. And he's just steamrolling Will, and he's he's making himself front and center every time. I'm so I don't know if now is the time, but I'm gonna I'm gonna cover it anyway. Maybe the 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 best laugh out loud moment that I had is when you finally get to the end and we get to see what what the final final cut of the movie looks like just talking about the bad acting mm-hmm. and it may not be acting maybe it's the editing but it's the i've got let's split up pause pause <laughs> yep. pause okay it's the best. so awesome it is i mean it is worth watching the movie just for that that's and that's exactly the kind of thing that makes me think of making the movies, movies that we made when we were, we were kids yeah. that's that is so well observed by the director <laughs> by by garth jennings just i'm like, sure garth jennings made many of those when he was a kid as well there but, is, yes he did and there is one on the dvd oh um, i didn't know i did not check that out i should have well they obviously used a lot of copyrighted uh, music in their movie when he was young, when a teenager because the whole thing is like bl- blanked out. Like, well, it's not silent. They like put up some like temp music over gotcha. it. Okay. Um, so it's not really, you're not getting the full experience, it seems like. But yeah, I mean, the, yeah, that, that long pause. <laughs> it's like probably he's not sure, you know, whether, when he's on camera and when he's not. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. And it actually makes sense from a plot per- point of view when you actually look at that movie that they made. They have to split up so that the wolf can get involved and, like, uh, Son of Rambo then gets teams up with the wolf and he trusts the wolf. But then Colonel Troutman knows when the- he finally comes back into the picture. No, no, no. The wolf is a traitor. Oh, man. All right. Sorry. I just, uh, on the bad acting, I wanted to make sure that I covered that. Yeah. I agree. That is, that, uh, what's the actor's name? Uh, Will Poulter, I think, is the name of the kid who plays Lee Carter. Okay. He is so funny as a bad actor. He's giving great performance for real. As, yeah, as Lee. But, man, whenever he's, they're making the movie, everything he does makes me laugh. <laughs> the shot where, I think, I think their fake movie opens with Son of Rambo being like, my father's been kidnapped, we need to go save him. And then cut to Lee Carter being like, we need loads of guns. Really, really massive guns. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like a push-in on him. Um... That makes me laugh, too. Everything, everything oh. that that actor does in the fake movie makes me laugh. It's so funny. So in the interim between that and the plot, we, we did kind of miss it. So there, there's this one big kind of final filming sequence that has to be done 
with basically everybody. As you said, it is like a full, almost Hollywood production. He's walking through. I mean, at this point, it is a set. You could, yes. you could have probably caught a set. And he's walking through the set, and people are coming up. They're like, well, what do you want? For oh, a little bit more green paint. <laughs> yeah. Someone's like, green paint, green paint. I mean, it's almost like they're getting down to having like blocking for shadows and stuff like that. I mean, it is like yeah. a full production. You're right. Of it's a set. A full production. Like, this whole class is involved. But to the point... It is an outrageously dangerous because it's like an abandoned. I don't know. I don't know. It's a warehouse or what? No, it's like a nuclear plant, right? You can see the, the cooling I mean, towers. cooling towers, but I didn't know if that was further, like in the distance, because those are still pretty. I mean, they're big, but it doesn't seem like they're right on top of them. But no, I think we're supposed to believe this is on the grounds of oh, a decommissioned nuclear power plant. Good lord! Then there's like a v- underground oil pit. This is like the most dangerous. F- place the film in the world i don't know what that stuff is that like tar like why why is this still here after obviously this place has been abandoned for years and years and years there's still like a weird tar pit in there i mean i guess that's just you know obviously it's there for the plots of the yeah uh, so uh, there's a a terrible accident and will is catapulted into this tar pit and everyone abandons uh, this whole crew of kids who obviously aren't really his friends they all run away and lee comes back but you know what let me, let me just say you're right they're they're not really his friends but at the same time i'm going to say on something like that i thought that was actually handled as realistically as it could as well oh totally cuz kids, kids would run away oh they would book as fast as they could yeah but at the very least at least some kids would stay behind and be like we what do we do or like let's yeah. some kids would be like we need to call our parents or you'd like to think help. that there would be some conscience but at least in this crew they all bail on poor will i mean the movie is not the movie is sympathetic to our main characters it is not sympathetic to didier's like his his team of uh, they're all kind of depicted as very shallow and just like they just want to get you know, they want DDA's be, reflected glory to yeah. fall onto them. That's they're, really they're in his wake, and they want to get as much of the glow as you said as they can. Yeah, I like that scene. I think maybe it's a little bit overwritten where Lee saves Will and is like, "You don't care about me, not like my brother." And he's all I've got, and it's like it's maybe a little much, but the actor pulls it off. Like that for the most part, yes, I agree with you on both points. But it does. You have to get something to set up for Lawrence ultimately to see it, and then kind of make him more because up till this point, he's not all that sympathetic there's a little bit there's an understanding that he's on the phone fighting with his mom yeah. that she's not around but i think you have to kind of pull him in if you really want to bring it full circle and kind of have the happy ending that that, that you wind up getting if i have one criticism of son of rambo i think it's that lawrence lee's brother should have been a little bit more prominent prior to that ending because you're right he has two maybe three scenes before that maybe four but it's even the scenes that he's in he's kind of an afterthought it's all about like I think the first time you see him, it's like the focus is on Will hiding because he's not supposed to, you know, or whatever. I don't even know why he's hiding, but he's hiding in the boat. And the focus is on First Blood. That right. movie is so it's it's so interested in giving its love letter First Blood that like Lawrence feels like an afterthought. Um, and then yeah, there's like one or two other times you see him, and then when Lee, because Lee saves Will from the tar pit at the nuclear plant, and then he gets injured and taken to the hospital. And that's kind of when Lawrence becomes more prominent because he yeah. visits him in the hospital. Well, you get that one scene which I, I we didn't cover. I I did want to. Why is it that in this in is was this a thing in your private school that the kids would just huck and throw like paper? Oh no, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> you mean when Lee is suspended and he's yes. being let out of the school? I don't yeah. understand one. Why is it like a firing squad that everybody lines up when this kid's getting kicked out of school, but then they're allowed to throw stuff at them? I think they're throwing erasers, like the the the. the oh, the, I missed that. You know, like the pinky erasers. I think yeah. they're throwing those. 
Well, because that's what they're smelling in the in the debauchery scenes, like sniff, like some kind of eraser. Oh, I missed that too, man. I missed a lot on this. I one. learned on the, I listened to the commentary, and I learned they're called smelly rubbers in the UK. That's something that they would not be called in America. I am no, certain they would not. Yeah, I guess it was a thing in the eighties in England of just you know interesting, uh, you know erasers that when you when you erase things, it would let off like a scratch and sniff esque smell, and you could smell them. Gotcha. Because he's like, oh, it smells like cake or whatever he says. Will, Thank Will you. Says it. I did not understand that in the least. I did not get the smells like cake at all. I thought there was just something wrong with Will. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I think is that that scene. I think more than anything is very particular to probably Garth Jennings' childhood. Just the things that he remembers from the early '80s. You know, whether, whether it's you know pop rocks and soda, <laughs> and that at least that made its way over here. At the very least, who yes, knows where, where that began? That was still a thing in the '90s. Or just. I mean, nobody believed it. I don't know if any. No, it, I didn't believe it. Like, do you think kids ever believe that pop rocks and soda thing? I bet you. I I might have fallen for that. I don't know. I mean, the Simpsons did a gag on it, right? Or yeah. Didn't, well, there, didn't he <laughs> shake him up and it exploded in the right, gummy? It's one of my all-time favorite opening sequences. Yes, it's at the Candy <laughs> Expo. He Homer and the uh, Dan Castellanos delivery. See you in hell, Candy Boys. As he throws it, and then it's like Die Hard. <laughs> the entire candy convention explodes right. behind him like diehard. Because that was maybe people, people don't know this urban legend nowadays, but you know the idea that if you ate <laughs> pop rocks and drank soda, your stomach would explode. <laughs> it's nonsense. It I mean, is beyond nonsense. I learned uh, on the commentary also that they cut out a thing because what's in that scene? It's they're smelling the erasers, they're doing pop rocks and soda. Some kids are just like. There's just like a montage of just like 80s kids just like looking into the camera. That For some reason, that makes me laugh. We're just like, here's a bunch of 80s kids. Then there's the one kid that bursts through the door when Lee says, and I like that Lee just, you know, walks out because that, that actually, that was me. Right. That if it was one thing that actually that you said that reminded you of your childhood, we, we didn't, uh, I'd like to go back and cover it. Lee's kind of storming out and sitting out of that party. That actually reminded me of me. I didn't like big crowds, big groups. I certainly would have been jealous of like probably my only friend becoming more popular and really enjoying the party. But I then love the moment too yeah. that you know Lee thinks, "Oh, Will's come for me." No, it's just some kid throwing up because he had too many pop rocks and cola. Well, no, that's not why. There was a, there was a deleted scene. Okay. Because apparently in the eighties there was this notorious toy that had to be recalled for lead paint, <laughs> and so. In, there was a scene in the movie where they were daring each other to lick this toy in that scene, oh. but they had to cut it because they were worried that like these toys might still be out in the wild. And somebody and might, someone do might it. copy it. And yeah. it's like it was a real thing. Like and I don't know if it was just you know a UK in thing or whatever. We yeah. were too young for to know, but like eighty three toys. Wow. Like, I, I wouldn't remember if that was like, an American thing too. Well, it still works because with just what I talk took it as is it's like the the equivalent of being drunk right. yeah. and hammered at a party that with all the pop rocks and cola he had to come and throw up. Well, he may also have thrown up from pogo dancing too much, which is, you know, we learned that uh, Will Proudfoot invents pogo dancing, apparently. Yeah, that's his only move. In a Back to the Future-esque sequence where, you know, Marty McFly invented rock and roll and Will invented pogo dancing. Yeah. So, yeah, so bridging the gap there then, Lawrence, you know, sees this, the video of uh, his brother, basically sticking up for him and saying how much he means to him and, uh, you know, has a change of heart. And he, he works with Will to, to put together uh, Son of Rambo the way it should be and delivers a performance that is among <laughs> the greatest of all time. Yeah, speaking of actors who are really good at bad acting in the movie within a movie, yeah, uh, that actor's name, I, I should pull it up. But uh, <laughs> I actually want to say particularly his death is actually maybe my favorite moment. Yes, you're right. <laughs> just, what did he say? He's like, just leave me to die. What do you mean? Yes. 
<laughs> the, let, the let, let me die in ro- peace. Yeah, and the way he rolls over, too, is just great. But I love how... Um, I don't know if this is intentional or what, but it, it seemed like Lawrence's performance at the beginning, he's just reading off of cue cards. Yes, they're sitting yes. off, off camera and then halfway through, he starts kind of speaking from the heart. Yeah. And, and so he's kind of throwing in like slang, like English, uh, colloquialism, just like tell him that, uh, I'm sorry I wasn't there for the, for him and all that. And you know, <laughs> just the way he's like kind of casually throwing in his little like asides. Uh, what's the actor's name? Ed Westwick. Okay. That's the actor who played Lawrence. Uh, he does, and he, he delivers one of the... I, I love the, the lift... That he completely breaks through, too, of lifting the helmet for the Scarecrow and delivers... I, who does he claim that he is? Oh, that he's... Tra- that's he's right. Trotman's he, brother. He's Trotman's brother. Oh, you know what my favorite part of that is? He's dying, you know. The, yeah. the evil Scarecrow is dying, and he's like, tell my brother I'm sorry, and he's like, and son of Rambo is like, what brother? Oh, Colonel Troutman's my brother. And then cut to Will as son of Rambo, and he makes the funniest reaction, like shocked face. It's just like, you're, you're right. I forgot about that. It is great. I can't believe that that is not a Twitter gif that is all over Twitter. I should see that once a week on Twitter. <laughs> that that should be a gif that is like I known worldwide. I think we need we need to go find it and we need to start pushing that. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not great at like converting video to. I have to figure out how to do it. So we can, oh, it might we can be out there, the, and maybe it just isn't like used. Is what I'm maybe. saying. Maybe I've never seen it. I'm, again, I'm not sure how well known this movie is, but uh, you're sh- right. It should be that in, react, in a perfect that, world. That, that is react. the oh man, that kid's. Oh, I mean, it's so visual. It's hard to Colonel describe. Troutman's brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really love the way they're fake movie relates to first blood and there's obviously like lee car is playing troutman and just the whole the whole thing feels so Authentic. true to yeah. what kids would do like they wouldn't come up with their own story it would be oh. son of rambo um and he doesn't no, know how to spell rambo i mean i think the movie is called is spelled this way so that they wouldn't get in trouble from you know, do you think so though because i mean they use a pretty decent amount of clips from the movie i would have guessed that well, I think in particular because it just happened to come out in the same year that a real Rambo movie was coming out. They didn't want people going to the movie theater, looking at the marquee, saying, Son of Rambo, that must be the new Rambo movie, and then that, going in. And that I hadn't thought about, yes. I'm, I'm sure they had. They would have had to, even if they didn't want to. But I guess here's the thing on that. You're, you're right, that it is kids, and they didn't really come up with that much of an original story. But there's enough like of their crazy imagination in there. That, oh, yeah, it's the perfect mix. Yeah, that it, it's just real enough that... You're right. Will Will sees a scarecrow. All right, that's going to be my villain. And he's being chased by a dog, and he crazily comes up with, well, it's going to be a flying dog, of yeah. course. His his uh, backing up a little bit. His uh, imagining of that whole sequence with the flying dog, and it's like a kind of a black and white. It's a it's a fantasy sequence, and it's north by northwest. Yeah, sort of, I guess. Yeah, but the special effect they obviously are hanging a dog from like a harness. That dog is not happy to be in that little like airplane harness. Did you notice that? I did not notice that. And it's fantasy. It's a quick shot. It's like a two second shot. But like he's imagining the dog flying and shooting at him. That dog, it's just kicking and just wants to get out of that thing. <laughs> I did not notice it, that. It works for the shot because it looks like it's like galloping in and the air after him. Come, but yeah. that, that dog is not happy. I can tell. Like <laughs> that dog does not want to be a star of a movie. He doesn't uh, want to be the flying dog. Uh, I like the ceramic dog. The ceramic dog is very pliable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he was much more willing to be. Do the you flying think there dog. was money inside that ceramic dog? No, because you see them put it out. He, Lee Carter was lying in wait for that dog because uh, whatever charity it is, they put out the dog. I assume it, yeah. It's, got, it's like a... He, so what you're saying is he knew it was there or going to be at that spot. He must have because it, 
the shot is two guys come in, they put the dog down. It's like whatever <laughs> right. the sign is, raising money for whatever. And he immediately steals. They it. leave the frame and frame immediately. Lee Carter runs in, grabs it, and runs off. And they're like, hey, like they're still there. He was lying in wait. He knew this thing was coming somehow. Who knows how? Oh, oh man. I mean, maybe he's just he's there shoplifting so often. He <laughs> overhears. We skipped over that. It was a shoplifting, and you know, Will, Will gets is a terrible over, at it. Yeah, overzealous. He gets away with it. He does, but <laughs> I mean, he just loaded his jacket up. And he's like, I got everything we need. He's like, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Stuff is falling out of it. Yeah. I, you know, probably the only thing we didn't, and it's probably fine, uh, you know, we didn't really cover Brother Joshua from The Brethren. I, I'm not sure that it matters, because to me, the, the movie really is about their friendship and, you know, kind of the foils on the outside, the outside pressures. I'm not sure it matters. Yeah, I like the way that story is handled, um, you know, because Will's mother, Mary, we get a little bit of a backstory with her. She tells a story about how she heard a song and she bought this record player and all that. And she went through a very similar thing and her father burned the, the record and <laughs> yes. the, all this. and so Destroyed the record player. And she's, she's telling the story trying to explain to Will why it's important to not... The dangers. Yeah, the dangers. But in yeah. the end, she, she goes the other way. I think it's handled very, with a very light touch, like everything in this movie. And I think even though it's a story about their family like leaving this religion, it doesn't feel... Anti-religious. It doesn't no. feel like it's got some kind of like you know agenda. Anti-religion agenda. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's handled so well and so so just very gently. And yeah, she decides to Joshua. He's over for dinner, and she's like, "No, you're done eating." I was going to say she's tired of making his dinner. I love the cut to the, to grandma, where she's like, "You're <laughs> immediately becomes clear that this guy's not welcome in their house." And then cut to grandma, and she is just staring daggers. Oh Joshua. yeah. If grandma could get up, I mean, she would round. She would give him a Jean Claude Van Damme roundhouse kick to the face. I have to assume that whatever. Will and Lee's follow-up to Son of Rambo was going to be. Grandma was heavily featured. Like she's the per- she's a star. Get her in the sequel to Son of Rambo. Grandpa, Grandma of Rambo. <laughs> he almost a Grambo, which I actually love. <laughs> Rambo would be great. <laughs> Grambo. That's that's the sequel to Son of Rambo. Oh man. <laughs> Grand uh, grandson of Grambo. That's what the, the sequel is. So uh I don't know. Is there any anything else you want to cover? I think I think we covered it pretty well. Uh, no, I think we did. I mean, it's it's uh, it's definitely. One, I mean, we're we're again not kind of doing our segments, but I mean, this is one that I certainly would would give a, a, a recommendation and a high rating for for those that haven't that are that are looking for this type of movie, right? But it's maybe not necessarily our listeners, uh, but maybe so because I certainly enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it because I really love this movie. I genuinely, you know, when I said it's the best Rambo movie, I'm not kidding. No, <laughs> I, I think it's the best Rambo movie. I mean, I haven't seen any of the others yet, so we'll see. But I'll be honest, it's kind of unfair. Like it, this, it's, this, yeah, it's it's a totally different different yeah, it, vibe. It's really apples and oranges, but um, but I can I can definitely see why you purchased it. Which is funny because you said you tipped your hand a little bit. The fact that you owned it that obviously you were you were a fan of it. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't have bought it. Yeah. you're not just going to buy things to to own them. Uh, well, I used to, but that's <laughs> I don't do that anymore. In my twenties, when it's like, oh, this movie is getting good reviews, I'm just going to buy the the DVD. It's like that. That wasn't during a period when DVDs were cheap. It's like I'm not buying a Blu-ray. Well, what, I mean, this is a DVD. What if uh, what if it was like the specialist and it was just the right kind of bad? Well, I saw that first and went, I no, love this I, movie. I guess what I'm saying is that could it be that it got really bad reviews and you might have gone right to DVD? I don't think I've ever done that. Okay. Um, maybe Miami Connection? I, that may be the one time I did that. <laughs> I'm not sure about Miami, Miami Connection. Miami Connection was so awesome. Miami Connection is pretty great. That Miami Connection is the kind of it's movie. Son of Rambo. It's it Son actually, of Rambo. Absolutely. It's Son of Rambo. If, if Lee Carter and Will Proudfoot had $2 million to make a movie... 
in in uh, Orlando. <laughs> it was called Miami Connection, set in uh, Orlando. I did, we didn't do an episode on that. You just had me watch it, right? Oh, we didn't do an episode. How? Wh- how? What's the connection there? There's I, no connection. I don't remember, but I know you told me I had to see it. I still am blown away by Miami Connection. The fact it's, that that movie exists is amazing. It's one of the greatest bad movies and lost for many years and just like found in a can somewhere. That's the best part of the story. It was just like, yeah, look up Miami Connection and read the story about how it was like found again that music 30 years after in it was that made. that movie is still some of the greatest music oh, of the, all time. The band? The, yes. The, the uh, oh, dragon sound. Oh, that, honestly, that is some of the best bad stuff I have ever seen. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to remember the songs. One's called Against the Ninja, but that's the better of the two songs. No, What's the, the main song? The main song. Oh, Friends for, for Eternity. Oh, I that's could... the perfect theme song for Son of Rambo. Friends for Eternity, loyalty, honesty, we stick together <laughs> through thick or thin. I should play that when, over the credits of Son of Rambo. When you had me watch that movie, for three weeks, I couldn't get that song out of my head. <laughs> it catchy. was so awesomely catchy it's bad. Genuinely catchy. I could not get it out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're right. That that song would fit perfect as like the. You're right. The credits to Son of Rambo needs that song. This is a movie about friendship and yes. just much like uh, Miami Connection, apparently. Uh, all right. Well, this uh, this was a great bonus episode. Uh, well, maybe not the episode. This was a great choice for a bonus episode. I'm glad that you brought it to my attention. Yeah, I mean, I I, I really I'm glad that you had a similar experience to me of just like the pleasant surprise. Of just kind of not knowing what it was. I think it's the best way to watch this. You know, I mean, if th- if this episode gets some people, a couple of people to watch this movie who otherwise wouldn't, great. But the ideal experience is going into a movie called Son of Rambo, going, "What is Son of Rambo?" and just being like, getting the nicest present. Yeah, you know, it's Absolutely. just such a pleasant surprise. I, you know, I it's it's a great movie. Yeah, so uh, highly recommend it. Hope uh, hope some of our listeners check it out and have uh, similar reactions to to the way I did, and hopefully you as well. Yeah. So with that, uh, we are going to do another bonus episode, and it is... It'll be a big change of pace, I think. It is definitely going to be different than this. <laughs> Despite the fact I haven't seen it, it doesn't matter. No, it I, is going to be significantly different from this. I've not seen it either. I guarantee it will be... I don't think we're going to be using the word delightful, I, I predict. You never know. Probably not. So for kind of new listeners to the podcast that may have uh, joined with us with moving on to Stallone, so in some of our bonus episodes when we were covering Arnold, we tried to tie them back like this, Son of Rambo was tied to Rambo of something in the season, so we watched Death Race 2000. So we have elected for a bonus episode, our next bonus episode, to watch Death Race. Uh, what year do you remember? 07 or something? The, 07. the, the Jason Statham Death yeah. Race. So Not Death Race 2050, so the for, one that came out last year. But for that, I'm actually most excited about doing a Statham movie is probably what I'm most excited about. This I agree. About. So. The Meg is in theaters now and apparently getting uh, is raking in the cash. Yeah. I feel like I'm missing. I have not. See, you went and watched a bunch of Statham movies. I have not. So I feel like I'm missing something here. I like Statham. I mean, he doesn't have, well, he does have a consistent persona, but he, he appears in a variety of different types of movies. Oh, like Stallone? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's similar. I'll tell you this. The, the whiplash that I got between, uh, um, oh, God, I'm forgetting. Crank 2? Yeah, between the Crank movies and the Mechanic movies. Boy, like, like I wouldn't have guessed this, but they could not be more different. I have no idea where on that spectrum uh, a death race is going to be. Probably more on the, on crank, the crank side. Yeah, but I, I don't know. The crank movies are like, I can't, it's, it, it's remarkable that they exist. <laughs> I still don't really have a strong opinion. I don't know if I like them or not because I just. What did I just see? Yeah, it's like, I don't even know what that was. So yeah. uh, I think death race is going to be a lot more straightforward. It's, I'm, I'm sure it's just going to be 
a very straightforward Hollywoodized remake of Probably. Death Race 2000, well. directed by Paul W. S. Anderson of Mortal Kombat and Resident Evil fame. This, <laughs> yeah. yep. this could be this could be really bad. It's it's all it's just a question of what kind of bad is it going to be. Yeah. Guaranteed it will be bad, yes. but will we enjoy ourselves or not? That's really the only question. I think there's a decent chance it'll be fun. I think almost no matter what, it's still going to wind up ahead of Ratchet and Clank. So if nothing else, we know that where the absolute rock bottom is. Well, these aren't official episodes. These aren't numbered episodes. It's true. They're not Stallone. Uh, yeah. yeah, but as usual, uh, you know, we're on a break, so expect these episodes every month or so. Uh, I think we'll probably shoot for every four weeks to put these out. Just It's only because we want to make sure we're put, when we're doing our seasons... We're not missing yeah. a week, so we kind of build up a bit of a buffer. So that's yeah. what we're doing right now. That's what we're uh, planning on doing, and it may wind up being three or four weeks, but we'll try and be consistent with whenever we put out these bonus episodes. So uh, uh, that's the show. I'm uh, pretty excited about the next episode, which will be we'll be back with Death Race. <laughs>